Hey, what up, Long Beach? If we sound tired, it's because we are. We've been shirking sleep and shaking off sickness to bring this city the sports coverage it deserves. And as always, this weekly podcast is part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post. And as always, we're the 562.org. I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Garbasio. And that partnership with the Long Beach Post extends to so much more than just sports coverage. We've been doing a ton of education coverage for them over the last year plus. We're going to continue to do a ton of education coverage for them going forward talk about the kids and the campuses and not just the athletes although we know you're here for the sports and we certainly appreciate that and i'm tyler hendrickson jj's right we've been out here uh <laughs> working hard <laughs> really hitting the pavement getting all across the city trying to cover as much as we possibly can and we can't do it without the support of the long beach community we're so grateful to all of our subscribers our readers our donors our corporate partners, everyone that works with us to, to help us bring this great coverage to the city of Long Beach. And we do really appreciate the, the kind words, the comments. Uh, JJ and I at basketball the other day uh, met a new friend, Lori, who came up and said hello and said how much she appreciated our coverage. So that really means a lot to us. We're really grateful for that because it helps us carry our weary bodies through these difficult schedules. There's playoffs, there's league championships, there's can't miss moments, and we're trying to be there for everything. So if you're able to help out and keep us around for years to come, which we want to do, head to the website, the562.org, click on that support tab, and there's a lot of different ways that you can help the 562 stick around. Nonprofit journalism, we think it's the future here in the LBC, help us stick around and make it a reality for future generations. We think it's the future full stop. We think it's the future for news and everything. So definitely get involved. And like Tyler said, if you are a GFOP, a friend of the pod, please say what up. Shout out a what up Long Beach if you see us in the traffic out there. I got to tell you, hanging out with Lori for like five seconds of that basketball game, like really picked me up, dude. It's like a baseball player who leaves his stuff after he gets a strikeout, but his teammate picks him up. Like that really felt good, man. So definitely say what up if you're listening to the pod and you're out there and seeing us working, covering local sports. I had like, I must've been giving off real exhausted vibes at the more league swimming championship I covered last night when you guys were at basketball and baseball, because no one came up to say anything nice to me, but I got several nice messages this morning where people opened with like, hey, I know you were really busy yesterday. <laughs> I didn't want to get in your way. <laughs> you, we have been walking around the city with that busy look on our face, and it's by no accident. We are covering a little bit of everything. I think the wholly original experience of this year is starting to take its toll, but it is also wholly original, right? We are covering a different sport, literally, every single day and that's given us a lot to lay our eyes on obviously the lbc just full of great sports action so let's start there we did it last week let's do our favorite thing that we've seen recently as we also learned last week tyler needs a couple minutes to figure out what he's gonna say so i'll go first again my favorite thing i saw last week was long beach state softball sweeping cal state fullerton at home to just grand larceny on that big west conference title the Titans came into that series without a Big West loss. And then Long Beach State just handed them three in a row as the rubber-armed Kelly White goes CG, complete game in all three games, 21 sterling innings from her to make sure that Long Beach State can make a 25th NCAA tournament appearance. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we do our interviews later in the show. Mike, what do you got? What's your favorite thing you've seen this week? Uh, it wasn't my family. I'll tell you that because I haven't seen uh, haven't haven't seen anyone other than the people that we cover. Um, I would say this is this is a little bit different from what I talked about last week, but I really appreciated seeing the uh, administrators and coaches 
because it's, it's nice to understand that everyone's feeling exactly the way we're feeling. Everyone is doing something that they've never done before. Every teacher in the city is exhausted. Every coach is exhausted. Every administrator is exhausted. And when I, especially when I was at the swim championship last night where every school was there, really big crowd, um, all the coaches there, it was so supportive. It was the, that moment that you want to have when everyone's coming through a tragedy or a crisis of everyone gets it. Everyone knows that everyone around you is running on fumes. Everyone's getting out of each other's way, you know, and saying <laughs> after you. But it, it was very supportive and it was nice to see everyone kind of coming together to understand, hey, the tank is on empty, but we can make this a special event for the kids. So that's what we're all going to work hard to do. And then I was talking to a Lakewood assistant principal. They're hosting the league swim finals. So he was at Lakewood at 6 a.m., and then was at Cabrillo where the league swim finals were until almost 10 o'clock last night that it wrapped up. Then he went home. He had to be back at Lakewood at seven today. And guess what tonight is it's Lakewood's prom, which he's also supervising. <laughs> this dude's basically just cranking out 20 hour days, which is exactly how we feel. And um, I, I love that. I love seeing people willing to sacrifice to make this year as special as we can for the kids of Long Beach. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of grinders across the city, to be sure, and uh, they, they won't all get their flowers, but we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to shout out as many people as we can. Um, f- for me, the, the best thing I saw this week is, man, more league baseball. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it, I, I know we, do, we don't necessarily have maybe the, the elite top, you know, uh, top couple rounds picks that we got accustomed to, you know, the years of Aaron Hicks and J.P. Crawford and, and Chris Betts and Chase DeYoung and Shane Watson, you know, it was kind of year after year, but I mean, these, these teams are, are, are really playing hard and, and playing entertaining baseball games. And uh, the, the league's just so even. I mean, it's we'll talk more about it a little bit later. But I mean, just some of the epic games. I mean, these are these are the games that you expect to maybe see one a season. And we're getting two or three a week at this point. And so, um, you know, the, the, the sport's definitely delivering. And then also being able to be back at Bull Diamond at Blair Field was just so special. And, and to have a night game for those kids. I mean, it was as much about that spectacle and being able to play on that field as it was the fact that we covered an epic game because, you know, there, there's, there's magic, there's history, and, and you don't know how much you appreciate something until it's taken away. And unfortunately, that's a lesson I think we've all learned over these past 18 months or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, yeah that, was, that was great to have that, have that back and, you know, just start to feel like we're, we're getting back to where we can rely on that. And we know we're going to get more league baseball very frequently on Bull Diamond at Blair Field in the years to come. Early in that Milliken-Wilson game on on Thursday night, Tyler and I were in the press box talking about how weird it felt that there weren't more fans in there. I've obviously experienced that as well with the Long Beach State dirt bags. It just kind of feels weird in there. But then as the game got longer, that crowd, even though they were a little small, they got a lot louder, man. And I had to turn down some of the audio of the video that you can see right now at the 562.org because you could hear them in the background saying some uh, choice things during some certain moments of that baseball game that you can obviously check out at the website. Uh, and like Tyler said, we're going to have some interviews from those guys coming up in just a second. But before we get there, I did want to also mention that we've got news from more league football and a very special moment for Wilson, Wilson High, Wilson Football, and the Meyer family. Scott Meyer is coming back to coach the Wilson football team. And there are very few moments that will make something like this happen. 
Today, I talked to our friend Al Larson, who was a Press-Telegram writer way, way back in the day, long retired. But he called me to talk about Scott Meyer coming back to Wilson. And he began the conversation with, well, I remember my time with Cliffy. Now, if you don't know much about Wilson High School, Cliffy is Cliff Meyer, the name that's literally on the side of the football stadium. When a guy like Al Larson is shouting out nicknames like Cliffy, (laughs) man, you know you're doing something right over there. So congratulations to the Bruins to get a legacy back on the sideline. We absolutely love when alumni come back. I mean, when something like that comes back where multiple generations of a family have been involved in some of the greatest moments that that high school and that athletic program over there has seen Wilson football, that's just special, man. And I know it happens other places, but it just seems extra special when it happens in the LBC. Oh, that's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, it just it just feels right, you know, and uh, and obviously it's 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 kind of strange the way it came to be with, you know, it happening with a league rival, you know, with Scott being at Lakewood. Um, But, you know, the timing isn't always necessarily perfect, but sometimes the fit is just right, you know, and, and obviously it was an opportunity that, uh, you know, him and his family just couldn't turn down. And then now, you know, it it leaves some questions as, you know, a lot of people are wondering what's next for Lakewood now as, as the, the coaching search uh, just, you know, drives a few miles up the road. Well, I, before, and before we get to Lakewood, I do want to make one other point about Scott. I mean, it's just, you, you have to do it, you know, like you said, but he told it, he told a story when I interviewed him that just, it really was moving to me. He said that um, he got the phone call from the school. He accepted the job. He celebrated with his wife for a couple of minutes. And I asked him, I said, who'd you think about? Did you think about, you know, your family? Did you think about your dad? Um, what did your, what was your dad's reaction? And he said, well, um, I didn't want to get my parents hopes up. So he hadn't told them that he'd applied for the job and he didn't want to do it via text or a phone call. So he just drove down, you know, he just drove a couple blocks over to his parents' house and surprised him. He just knocked on the door and walked in and said, I'm the new head football coach at Wilson. And he said his parents were shocked, uh, but his dad, who was a head football coach at Wilson and who is the school board rep for Wilson's area for decades uh, and just retired last year, he says his dad was so excited and so thrilled. Um, you know, that, that's what this stuff is about, man. And, and we are lucky enough in Long Beach to have these multi-generation families. So, um, there's nothing like coming home. There's nothing like that power. And uh, it, it is a, an awkward situation, as Tyler mentioned. If you want the difference between social media channels, go to our Facebook and see all of the grownups congratulating Scott and saying, congrats, coach. Welcome home. Super excited for you. And then <laughs> go to Instagram where the Lakewood football players are just like, he's a snake. He, someone said he just walked into our room and farted and walked out. <laughs> It's like the full gamut of human emotion and experience uh, going on around this move. So for sports writers, a lot of material. A lot of material for sure. And not a lot of time to put stuff together, right? Like like take over a football program, can't do a spring thing. I guess they're going to do a mini camp at the beginning of June. But you also, he's bringing assistant coaches over, assistant coaches moving. Like everything is moving around the chessboard that is more league football right now. And yeah, Lakewood has to find a head coach. Something they've got some practice at. What, what's this? What's this going to be? This sixth head coach since since Dad McNeil. I uh, I was kind of laughing to myself, JJ, because I think you have written how many new coach at Wilson slash new coach at Lakewood stories have you written? Oh, like a, a baker's dozen, I think at this point. And it it just so happened that like you know I I had this one on the Wilson story, and like maybe I'll have the Lakewood one too. And I was like, 
I'm tr- I'm stepping up. I'm trying to support my guy because for <laughs> you, it's like a, it's like you set the calendar alert and then you do the, like how often you could just do every 24 months, new liquid head football coach, <laughs> but you, you just said it. We're less than three months from the first game of the season. Like there's no time to waste. Wilson was very thorough. Obviously understand why administrators want to do that. They did two rounds of interviews. They had some good finalists. Um, but Lakewood is not going to be taking their time. Lakewood is going to be moving through this quickly. I would expect that we will have a story up breaking that news by the time we record our next podcast. Um, and, you know, let's talk about it. I think everyone's been asking me about Justin Utupo, the Lakewood uh, alumni played for Coach Mack and then at Notre Dame. Um, and it's just a Lakewood through and through guy. Um, we do know that Justin put in an application with Wilson and then withdrew it because he was offered the, uh, the head coaching job at uh, Northview and Irvine, which he's accepted. But my understanding is it, it could just be like what happened with Scott Meyer. If, you, if your dream job calls and says, hey, we're open and we want you, why would you not answer that phone call, right? Right. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then there's, there's another guy with more league coaching experiences. Toops had a, a very successful tenure at Milliken. Um, but I mean, there's, you know, that's, that is going to be a sought after job and it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but you're right. Time is certainly of the essence because of how close next season is. It's like, I have to constantly remind myself that football is actually pretty close. We normally right now have covered spring games for everyone. We are like JJ and I, normally the transfers have already happened. You already know what the teams are going to look like. You're just, you reported five months ago about the schedules being finalized. <laughs> so at this point, yeah, you're straight up like, I would say, Jade, wouldn't you say that by the end of May, we usually know when everyone's dead period is going to be, right? I mean, we usually have our schedule kind of set for the summer on like, okay, this is the week we're going to start going out for football previews. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Usually my phone would be full of screenshots of other people's schedules, making sure that we would be available for the big seven on seven stuff that's coming up. Can we say right now and try to put this in the ether? Let's speak it into existence. More league milk bowl as the return of like a thing that people can do together where you're worried about not worried about more than one school coming together. Right. Like maybe the top four teams get together. We do the seven on seven thing in, I don't know, July, late July or something. And that can be the moment where we're all standing there together being like, Hey, look at normal. Except that our, except as part of that normalcy, our guy, Romeo Pell and the Milliken will probably not want to attend. But, but hey, if we get six of the seven schools, we feel pretty good about that. That that's, would feel pretty normal. That's part. That's part for the course. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be great. And I do, you know, it's just weird. There's a bunch of these timelines we've talked about that sort of overlap unintentionally. Um, you're less than three months away from the start of next football season. You're also less than a month away from June 15th, which is the date that Gavin Newsom has said, we're not going to do masks. All the restrictions go away on June 15th. We're ahead of schedule for virus numbers going down for where they wanted us to be at by June 15th. So I absolutely think all those weird, awkward conversations about do we go in your house? What do we do? Like June 15th, the governor is saying the state's good. So I would love to see at the end of June, early July, whenever a more league passing league event. I would love to see these teams get back out there and start building because number one, the good programs are in a really good spot right now. But I also think there's an understanding that like they need to help the Cabrillo coach, right? I mean, this guy came in, got hired during the pandemic, was not able to uh, field a team to compete this year. So they're really behind the eight ball. I mean, they're going up against teams that just played a whole season 
And he's basically starting a program from scratch. They won't have played a football game in two years when they get on the field. So I think you do have that sense of community of everyone like, yeah, let's get everyone together. I was just, I mentioned at the more league swim championships last night, Barry O'Day, the girls water polo coach at Wilson is talking to Lawrence Duran, the boys water polo coach at, at Cabrillo about what do you want your guys to do some workouts with us? If you're not going to be available, like they're the, everyone in the city is kind of talking about how do we help each other move past this difficult year? That is just a great lesson to take out of this crazy time. Another good lesson is don't put your dirty hands in your mouth. You ever get so tired that you want to just eat as much food as you're capable of eating and just go into hibernation and just sleep for like two days straight. Does that happen to you guys? Sometimes. You have a healthier, you have a, you both have a healthier relationship with food than I do. I feel like, but when I get really tired, what I usually end up doing is eating a whole pizza or getting some Naples rib company. And I go, let me just load myself up with everything I need to go take a 24 hour nap. And I got to tell you, I'm so tired right now. Nothing sounds better to me than some Naples rib company brisket, some garlic mashed potatoes, some mac and cheese, and then just hugging everyone and saying, I will see you next week. (laughs) going and taking the best sleep of my life. I don't know how Naples Rib Company got wound up in that fantasy, but it's there. And my therapist says the number one thing is don't fight the fact that the thought is there. So Naples Rib Company, my exhaustion food fantasy and yours perhaps, but either way, they are open for indoor dining. It's been so great. We really appreciate everyone sending us pictures of you having your first dinner out back at Naples Rib Company letting us know that you're supporting a restaurant that has supported us for over 10 years and that has supported so many of the coaches and athletic programs that we cover. So please, 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 from the three of us, get down to Naples Rib Company, tell them that the 562 sent you and say thank you for supporting everyone and that let them know you're happy that they made it through this pandemic. We mentioned it before. We're going to mention it again. And hopefully early next year, we're going to be mentioning it as something we're looking forward to in 2022. It is more league baseball, and it is on the up and up right now. The league is back with top-end pitching, guys who can hit the crap out of the ball, and drama for days. Miles Patton just struck me out during that intro, DJ. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm on my way back to the dugout, but I'll, uh, I'll intro this next part here. Uh, yeah, I mean, what an in- incredible game that we saw. Um, Charlie Royal and, and Miles Patton going head-to-head. Patton ended up... I guess with the more memorable performance, just with the eye popping strikeout numbers, uh, 14 strikeouts in five and two thirds innings. I mean, you just got to sit with that for a second. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he recorded 17 outs and 14 of them were strikeouts. Uh, just unreal stuff. And, and, and you never really see a performance like that. Um, very often, much less uh, from a high school kid. So, you know, I, I definitely had to talk to Miles after the game and, and Charlie made sure to, to hop in and let us know his thoughts on how Patton performed. What was working so well for you today that you were able to, to mow through the lineup? Thank you. Um, I was just you know, trying to keep my focus, you know, just make every pitch, like just the best pitch I could, just, you know, just put in a good spot where I felt like they couldn't hit it hard and just my changeup was a little sketchy, but the curveball was working, so I got that and just keeping them off balance and just, that's it, stone strikes. Yeah, and they, and they definitely made you work. Um, and, and, it, and I noticed that, that you seemed like you were going to your curveball a lot more. Yeah. Is, is that the best it's been? Because usually I saw a lot of fastball changeup from you, but you were, you were working in the, the hammer a lot. Yeah, uh, this, like, just the last couple of games, I've been feeling really good about the curveball. That was the best shots. damn high school performance <laughs> I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, you pitched eight innings. Come on, I'm sorry. That was beautiful, man. <laughs> 
Uh, what was the question again? Yeah. Basically <laughs> just about how good your curveball was. Oh, uh, it was feeling good. You know, I was just trying to get it over, you know, just keep my focus, throw to the bottom of the zone. And I feel like when it's good like that, I mean, last couple of games, just, there's not going to be a lot of hard contact, obviously. I felt like really confident in that pitch, especially today. What's it like being able to pitch at Blair? I mean, it's it's just a different setting, and, and you guys haven't had yeah. the chance to do it until now. I mean, did that give you a little extra juice, uh, you know, going into this game and in a big game against, a, you know, one of your rivals? Yeah, 100%. You know, just like, it was just so exciting. All our games so far have been at 315. Today we had to wait till, like, <laughs> the longest four hours of my life in my house today just waiting for the game to come. And it finally came, and just we were ready. I think everybody's finally just so excited to get out here again, you know, just play at this beautiful stadium, just – we're all in our A game for sure. And I think part of what made that Milliken win so special for them was what had happened less than a week prior. Uh, another classic game at Milliken as they hosted Long Beach Poly. The Rams won out away from beating the Jackrabbits, which would have been a huge win and, and really thrown a wrench in the Moore League title race. But Polly was able to come back and, and get that win with some clutch, clutch hitting. Kenny Barnaby with a game-tying triple he one hopped the fence at Milliken, which is hard, hard to do. Um, had to catch up with with Kung Fu Kenny after the game, uh, who talked about his clutchness and how you simply cannot ice ice. Is that one of the better games that that you've played in? Uh, yeah, it was definitely probably the best game I've ever played in. You know, that was very intense. Everyone was trying to execute. Everyone was trying to get on top. And, you know, we just never let go of the pedal, and we just kept we kept fighting. Uh, obviously, in the bottom of the seventh inning or the top of the seventh inning, you guys are down to your last out. You're standing in the on deck circle. What's going through your mind? You know, you, you're just looking for an opportunity there. And then, you know, Lucas, you know, beats out that play. You, you get the opportunity to come up. What's going through your head in that in that plate appearance? I mean, I kind of live by uh, you can't ice ice. No, it was, a, it was a great line. And you can't ice ice. You know, when you're ice, you can't ice it. And I just know big time players come up in big time situations. And, you know, I came up in a big situation right there. So that's kind of all I did. And, I mean, obviously you, you've shown your ability defensively, but you, you're in the nine hole. You, you literally bunted with two strikes earlier in the game. You know, no, And not to, not to be disrespect, but you're more of a small ball player, right? Yeah. But you hit that ball almost out of the yard. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I, he already told me. Uh, are you uh, – I mean, is that, is that part of your game that you, you just don't unleash? I mean, uh, that's one of the furthest – hit balls I've seen all season and I wouldn't have expected that out of you were you surprised or do you uh, hit them like that in BP I mean that was a no, tank no BP I try to go yard every time yeah. and I, I put the ball out at poly sometimes in BP so I kind of know my strengths I know my weaknesses and you know when you're in a not in a good hitting situation you just try to get down the put the ball in play and you just try to beat it out and I know I can hit the ball far I probably could take it out one of these days but the wind wasn't blowing my way but I, I know I have the power to do that and you know I just kind of got a f- cookie right down the middle and I just wanted to kill it well, I, I think you killed it, Kenny. Yeah, that's, that's great. I also spoke with Poly head coach Brent Lavoy after the game, had a nice chat about just <laughs> how epic that comeback was against Milliken and how special this season has been for Poly. Where do you put that game as far as best games you've ever coached or seen? I mean, that just seemed like it had a little bit of everything. In my lifetime, that goes uh, way up there toward the top. A couple uh, playoff wins in 2018 with this bunch that hadn't won a playoff game in a 13 years was pretty special and we won two that year and that kind of set the tone for 2019 got that more league title uh that was pretty special but if you're talking about a a single game pound for pound back and forth uh this i gotta go home and write them down but it's gonna be hard to come up with one that uh that might top this one 
Well, it's it's funny because you know I'm thinking about this game, and I have to remind myself that your starting pitcher had a no hitter through <laughs> through the first five innings. You know, or you know, it's 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 wild to kind of think about that, but it gets lost in the shuffle. There were so many kind of heroic moments and and big performances. I mean, <laughs> what what kind of stands out to you as as the difference in this game? It just seemed like both teams kind of refused to give up and and then that just led to things going back and forth yeah if you have a strike left in a ball game you have a chance and you know literally that's what we were down to uh you find a way to get somebody on and get a rally going and that's what we did but backing up to elias yeah 12 consecutive innings of scoreless baseball against milliken that's tip your cap to that you know he'd had a a little bit of a rough outing against uh wilson his last time out and even you know verbalized that his confidence wasn't what it used to be and we uh we changed our approach this week we got him back to having fun and not putting pressure on himself. The kid wants to win so bad that he doesn't want to let anybody down. And that's uh, that's the heart of a true champion right there, right? We all want to win and be that guy for our team. So we had an approach of we're going to relax and just get back to playing baseball, you know, be that bulldog that we know you can be. And uh, he had a good week of practice, a couple good bullpens. Uh, talked to him on the phone last night for 20 minutes, asked him what he ate for dinner, just small talk conversation. He's probably like, why is coach calling me? And we talked, and I just said, hey, man, whatever happens tomorrow happens. Promise me this. Go out there and give me your absolute best performance. Give me give me your bet. Give me all you got, and let's see what happens. And he did that. I'm sorry. It's kind of bummed we had to pull him so early. We uh, we don't score a whole lot of runs early against this team. They're pretty, that Ram team's pretty dang good. Weirdly enough, the sport so far this year that the Moore League has had the most success in is boys' volleyball. Kind of snuck up on us a little bit. We had such great action in the soccer season. We've had such great action in the basketball season, et cetera. But uh, boys volleyball, where there really was not particularly a competitive match, has <laughs> been a, by far our best performing sport. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Mike. Are you telling me that Long Beach is a volleyball city? <laughs> I just wasn't expecting, you know, we all talk about this. There's two regular season stories. There's a team that's so dominant in league that no one can touch them that goes on and makes a playoff run. Or... There's a really competitive, anyone could win the championship league title race that usually results in pretty quick playoff exits. That tends to be the two ways that they go. And boys volleyball was the former. Wilson didn't lose a set to anyone. They dominated everyone. Um, They basically had one good match, you know, that tested them against Polly right at the end of the regular season. But the Jackrabbits really turned it around and figured it out because Wilson has now swept their way through the first two rounds into the quarterfinals, which will be next Wednesday. Uh, They have yet to lose a set this season. They're still undefeated, and they have not lost one set the whole season, including two playoff matches. But Polly also is now into the quarterfinals next week, uh, which is incredible, given that they they had the same abbreviated season with the late practice time um, that everybody else was dealing with. And, uh, and, you know, they're in Division Three with Wilson, they got swept by Wilson both times they played, and yet here they both are in the quarterfinals. So very excited. They're both going on the road next week. Um, so excited to see how they do. But we did get a chance to catch up with Wilson coach Jeremy Cook, as well as uh, outside hitter Fletcher Garrett after their sweep win of El Segundo in the first round of the playoffs uh, earlier this week. And you could just see how excited they all are to be in the playoffs and, and having success. How are you guys feeling after that win in front of a nice sized crowd? Uh, we're feeling confident. Um, you know, our our guys have big ambition. You know, so so they're not happy yet. They, they were confident going into this, and I think they you know they're confident going into the second round as well. But um, 
yeah, happy with how, how it went, but not surprised or anything. They were expecting that. Um, I, you know, we talked during the regular season. You guys got a couple sort of tests in league, but not uh, not a lot, right? To be starting the playoffs where it's do or die every match now. Uh, that, that's like, I guess that's what makes us the, the most nervous is that we haven't been tested that much. It was such a short season. And we had, you know, four competitive matches. Going into the playoffs is not what you're typically used to. So, um, you know, that's what that, that's what makes us a little nervous is we don't have a lot of these tests under our belts. But And the teams are going to get better from here on out. So. But do, you had to have felt like they flipped the switch pretty well. A little bit of a struggle in the first set with some errors. But then, uh, I mean, you know, second, yeah. third set kind of blew them out. Right. Yeah, I thought um, I, liked, I liked the fact that we were playing fast and um, – but I did think we gave them a ton of points on hitting airs, you know, so it was a mixed bag. You know, I liked the fact that we were playing fast and and trying to dictate pace, but didn't like all the hitting airs. All right, perfect, man. Thanks, Thanks. Mike. Appreciate um, it. So you guys are, you know, two months into the season. You still haven't lost a set. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, how are you guys feeling after that win? You know, I mean, I'm, we've worked, like, in such little time all for this, but I'm really happy with the outcome. I think we're all happy with the outcome. So, um, first set was a little bit, you know, a little bit tight, and uh, you know, I thought you did a good job of kind of helping to carry them through that. What, what are you guys kind of telling each other after the first set that you came back and won two and three by such a big margin? Well, first set, I mean, I think the nerves were there. Um, so afterwards, you know, it's just like trying to calm everyone down, you know, encouraging words only. But uh, second set and third set, I think that's when everyone just kind of realize that this is our game to win and uh you know balled out so (laughs) (laughs) for sure and let's take it back to the diamond let's go a little bit smaller to the softball diamond where we pick up what else can we say guys millican athletics is in the middle of a renaissance right now (laughs) they are having quite a historic year Uh, i wrote a feature recently about the historic season that their boys tennis program is having um as they're set to you know, to begin their playoff run this weekend, but um, yeah, Millican softball, what an amazing season that they've had uh, under head coach Akemi Fleming, uh, a Millican alum, as we always love seeing uh, alums come back and lead their programs. And the Rams got a big, exciting come from behind win over rivals Lakewood to sweep Lakewood for, uh, I don't know. It's the first time in recent memory. It's been, it's been a while since the Rams have swept the the mighty Lancers in more league play. Uh, JJ, help me out here. It was probably before they started writing stuff down on the internet. Let's just say that. <laughs> Sheesh. But uh, <laughs> but it was a, a great game, and, and Milliken definitely rolling right now as a program and certainly off the highs of that win. And, you know, I, I caught up with Coach Fleming after the game to, to discuss the significance of the victory and how important it was for them to not share the title with Lakewood. You don't share with your rivals. It's, it was something for us. Like We knew we had a do-or-die kind of situation in the inning. It was get it done mm-hmm. or we lose and we share a title with Lakewood. That was something that we didn't want to do this year. Like mm-hmm. Yes, it was nice we had first place in lock, but sharing it is not what we work for. We want to keep it. and These girls deserve it. They've been working their butts off, and they stayed in it the whole game. Um, they came back. They didn't fall short and mm-hmm. came in clutch. I had a freshman. Katie came in and put in that double and... Gave us the, you know, gave us the motivation that we needed to keep us going and stay in the game. Yeah, for sure. Now I wanted to ask you about that because you know they, 
on paper, I guess, they might have had, I guess, quote unquote, more to play for, right? Because right. they needed to win to get right. into the conversation. Mm -hmm. But you guys were motivated by not wanting to share. Is that is that kind of just the nature of this group that you have, that, that they just had the pride to not want to share it? Or did you kind of instill that in them? Or what was the kind of talk leading up to the game um, to try to for, win it by yourself? I mean, for us, it was just the fact that we haven't been able to have this. I mean, my girls haven't won a more league in I, a, a while. Um, since I've been coaching here, we, I haven't been able to get them one. And that clearly has been my only goal was to get league, win a league championship, at least under me for, you know, for a while. So it was a goal for all of us. I have seniors that I really wanted to get this for. Um, they've been wanting it. They've been working for it. And it was just something that they, they pushed ourselves for. Um, we knew we don't want to share it with Lakewood. If anybody, that was a team we don't want to share it with is Lakewood. And then we, I, I told them I've shared it with Lakewood, and it feels like kissing your brother. It's terrible. It's like not it's not what you want. You don't want to have a tie. So, you know, taking this and, and the way we did it, it it's, it's fulfilling. It's definitely something that this is why I do what I do. Girls, I mean, having them have this moment is something that I was able to have. Like, I, Ryan and I had a CIF championship, but... They know, like, once this kind of ends, then we can go and, and work for the next one, which would be, like, now we're going for playoffs and looking what we can do for CIF. So it's just I've got a young team, and it's good motivation to keep going and let them know what it feels like, what it kind of, you know, how this tastes, and then let's see how we can do in the future for our girls. Speaking of softball and not sharing with your rivals, I mentioned it earlier, Long Beach State softball sweeping Cal State Fullerton to take that Big West title. Got a chance to talk to Coach Kim Souter after the game. Also check out our interviews with Kelly White and Alyssa Gonzalez on the LB Fee Show this week. It is available on the website, 562.org. You can listen to our interviews with them. Obviously, our conversation with Andy Fee talking about all the success that they're having over there at Long Beach State. But uh, the interview with Kim Souter came after an emotional outlet. And you don't see Kim Souter have those emotional outlets a lot. She is very stoic. She gives you the coach quotes. But I caught her in an emotional moment, and I was going to take advantage of it for sure. After, like she's going to say, one of the greatest moments in program history. I mean, it's it's an incredible feeling and uh, definitely one of the, the biggest accomplishments, you know, in a weekend uh, at this field for sure, without a doubt. And I'm just so proud. It took it took doing the right thing all season. It took losing some tough games and and learning how to bounce back really quick to to be in here at practice. This team's here 30 minutes early every single day. They beat me a lot of the time. Like without, I mean, it's just all the things. Their attitude. They they deserve to win whether they did or not. So when it when it happens, it's uh, it's just really special. And I'm I'm so happy for. The whole team, the seniors, I mean, they they led the way this year, um, just both with their play and off of the field. Uh, they're just all four special people and uh, just super happy for them. So. You talked yesterday about how much this team overcame just to be on the field and then the two-week pause and then all that stuff. And you said it battle-tested them and made them even more resilient. Did you see that this weekend? Absolutely. This is this was a tough battle, but we've been in games where we had to battle back, and uh, we knew we had to win every game, you know, to achieve our goal to, to win conference. So we we put that pressure on ourselves every week, and uh, when you lose, and you're you gotta you can't lose anymore, you know, the pressure was on, and I think it helped us. 
That was Kelly White's game. Any thought of taking her out? You were just leaving her out there and seeing what happens? Oh, absolutely not. She was she was on her stuff and had, gave us, I mean, so many one, two, three innings and just, you know, she pitched her heart out and uh, she led the way. She made it happen. So, Obviously, after everything is said and done, you look back at this season. When you do look back at this season, what's going to be the lasting memory other than today? Um, just the, the, the girls and just their excitement to be back out on the field after the pandemic and just, uh, you know, building, watching them build friendships, watching them grow, see how they mature emotionally and uh, become leaders. I mean, it's, it's always special to, it's all about relationships and uh, just seeing a, a group of people accomplish what they set out to do. The sweep on the last weekend, are you surprised? Um, I'm not surprised, but I'm gonna, I am super proud. I mean, I, that was probably the, you know, definitely the hardest, hardest thing for us all season and for any team to play against an undefeated team and sweep them three games. So, um, we took one at a time and got some momentum and they believed in each other and they wanted it and, uh, they showed, showed up and performed. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. Since we're talking Long Beach State, we also have to talk Long Beach State dirt bags. They are hot like Dylon right now, finally getting into their groove. We've mentioned it before on this show. They were the last NCAA baseball team to be able to get back to practice at Bull Diamond at Blair Field, and they look like they have found their groove. They are at Cal State Fullerton this weekend, only two series left in the season. But as Coach Eric Valenzuela is about to tell me and you, he thinks they got a chance to make that NCAA postseason still. You feel like the same way with the offense? The fact that you, these guys have actually gotten some practice and some game experience 100%. and all that stuff? Well, we said that from the beginning, you know. It's just going to take time. I mean, the one thing you talk about with hitting is just reps and getting game time, you know. I mean, that's why you have a non-conference. That's why you have practice. I mean, that's why you have inter-squads, and these guys just didn't. So it's just going to take them time, you know, for sure. But we were hoping that it would you know, be right away. But, you know, I mean, I'm, they're getting better and better as well. Man, their at-bats are good. and. And then we have some guys, you know, we have injuries. So Johnny Long's done for the year. He's out for the year. I mean, that's our leading hitter. Mm -hmm. Freshman All-American probably is out for the year. But it's just nice to see guys like Murillo come through. You know what I mean? Freshmen. You know, it's nice to see those guys, Roselle, and just guys stepping up. Laust and, you know, it's just good to see. And Petey and Danny, and they've done such a good job with those guys getting them going. Overall, what are you guys talking about in practice before the game, after the game? Like, how are you feeling about where you are in the season? What are your goals? Where are you feeling? What you know? What do you feel like you're at? Well, uh, we don't know what the what the committee is going to do, right? We don't know if the committee is is based is just going to go off of RPI. Are they going to look at teams like us and the Big Ten different, right? I mean, if we finish first or second, well, first we're in. But if we finish second and we go on a run here these last couple weeks, and the committee talks and goes, all right. The last month of the season, who are the teams? I mean, who are those at-large teams we're talking about? And they look at ours and they go, "Look, these guys didn't even play a non-conference season. They're the, you know, they've they have four wins against top 25. I mean, what? I mean, how could they not? I mean, that's at least that's that's the hope. These guys are they're on it, man. And to say, I mean, we're to me, we're a regional caliber team, 100%. Do you feel like they're more dialed in because of? seeing success on the field you know sometimes like a good shooter's got to see the ball go through the hoop uh, no i don't think so i think it's just about good play you know mm -hmm. i think that was it you know and i think 
if you look back, I mean, we, we had some tough losses on one or two plays, but even in those games, we played good. You look back at the first game of the season, you know, we're beating Aaron Davenport, who's one of the best pitchers, and we're beating him by one. In the last inning, we make a, you know, one-play error, but we played good. I mean, even some of these losses we played, you know, we missed a fly ball out here against Northridge on Friday. We played good on a Friday, you know, and it was two to one. You know, so these games, we've been playing good baseball, and that's the most important thing for me. You know, I mean, the wins and losses are great. We're going to make a run at this thing, but the way we're playing is so good right now. You know, I'm proud of them. That concludes another action-packed episode of What Up Long Beach. Thank you to all our supporters, including our friends over at Ocean Law Center. Visit OceanLawCenter.com for a list of services they provide. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. We will be back next week with another episode talking a lot more playoff action here in the LBC.